How do you actually find your first freelancing jobs? Coming up. Hello and welcome back to the Freelanceverse. This week's video is gonna go really back to the basics. I know that a lot of you guys are looking to score this first job, this very important first job in your career, right? And I see that some of you are actually scoring it. I actually get messages from you guys sometimes celebrating the first job and, you know, thanking me for the videos and it's very nice to read. I'm always very happy when I hear that someone finds the first job because it's such an important milestone, right? In retrospect, when you look back, it will probably be a crappy job. It will probably not pay well and not be very interesting. But in the end, it was really what set it all in motion, right? I remember it very clearly. In fact, I get into that in a second because I don't remember it so clearly. But, uh, but yeah, I tell you in a second what I mean. So let me go back a bit. I mentioned this a few times on my channel already. I did a bachelor's in translation in Switzerland. And uh, one of the biggest mistakes or the biggest regrets that I have about that is that I never did any volunteering work, never did any actual work while I was studying, right? And this is really something you should do. If you're currently in a translations degree, just do as much work as you can, you know? Write your favorite YouTuber and ask if you can uh, subtitle their videos and... Or if I'm your favorite YouTuber. <laughs> no, just kidding. But no, I mean, you can translate my videos. I'm not kidding about that. Uh, just send me a message and you can you can use this as actual experience right you can put this in your cv like no one cares if you got paid for your work or not it's it's translation experience and a lot of you guys do that so i get messages almost every day and if you go back in my video catalog you can see that there are a lot of translations now out there in many different languages and if you can somehow get real jobs even that are paid I don't know, by your family, by acquaintances, you know, by your bigger network if you worked already in a different industry before. If you can finish your degree with already some experience, you're miles ahead of 80% of your competition. So as I said, I finished my degree, zero experience, so of course no one would hire me and freelancing was not on the radar, to be honest. First of all, because in Switzerland it's very tough to, you know, you need to get to a very high standard of living very quickly. So this was just not on my radar at that point in time. Because So I got a job in a translation agency instead as a project manager, not as a translator, which in the long run, it still helps me a lot. I see now also the PM view because I was working in the PM position as well. But these two and a half years that I worked in this position almost uh, drove me away from wanting to become a translator didn't seem appealing, you know, I was just constantly sending these texts that seemed very monotone and I don't know, I just couldn't imagine doing that as a job. So even after I left to the Netherlands for my master's, it was not on my radar to become a translator. But then during my master's degree abroad, it was a full-time uh, degree, so I had no income. And before I started applying for, for student jobs, I just wanted to explore if there is an option to do some translation work, because this is what I'm good at, right? And at this point, I, I learned more about LinkedIn. I got more involved about the pros community. I heard that there is a way, like I, I got to know people who are actually translating full-time in the Netherlands, self-employed. So I kind of got introduced through, through uh, common friends and through uh, acquaintances to the world of freelance translation. And it, then it was one day when I was back in Switzerland visiting my family that I just said, you know, I just set up all these profiles. Well, like, what can go wrong, right? So I set up my pros profile, I set up my LinkedIn profile. It was nothing like it looks today. It was very basic. I just filled in all the necessary information. And I didn't buy the membership at Pros uh, because I mentioned this in my Pros video. If you haven't seen that, you can click here. Back then, I think the free membership was still more useful than now. I think now you really should go for the paid one if you can afford it. 
I would definitely if I started now. Uh, back then it wasn't needed for me. And really straight away, like the uh, same week, I got contacted by, well, I, I contacted a lot of job postings. So on Pros you see a job posting and you can uh, just contact them. I, I usually went, went off the website. So I tried to get the contact information and then just try to get into an informal chat. That's usually my approach. Um, I've seen some comments from you guys that you wanted me to make a video about, you know, cover letters, how I approach agencies. I can do that still, but it's not really the approach I'm doing. I'm trying to approach uh, companies or, or agencies in a more informal way to first establish just a quick chat and then in the second stage, try to get to business. And um, yeah, it worked quite quickly, I have to say. So now flashback to what I said before, why I'm not exactly sure I remember correctly anymore. There are two jobs that I did very early on. One was for a diving company in Ukraine. They organized uh, diving trips for German tourists to Egypt, I believe. Yeah, and um, they just needed their websites and all their marketing emails and materials to be translated to German. And at the same time, more or less, I worked on a, on a shoe company's website for women's shoes. And I usually reference this as my first real job, but I'm honestly not exactly sure which one came first. They came at a very different, at a very uh, similar time. The diving company one was a direct client. In retrospect, it's unbelievable that one of my first clients was a direct client. I didn't appreciate this enough back then, <laughs> but yeah, it just happened like that. And the second one was, a, was an agency, a Dutch agency. And there it's actually interesting how this happened. The Dutch agency looked specifically for a translator in their city, within their city. I don't know why. They probably didn't know any better that they could look elsewhere or they just thought, you know, if, if he is from the same place that we are, they felt some kind of confidence, some kind of connection, which was very lucky for me because I was well, probably one of the only uh, German translators in the city, right? So they came to me very quickly. And uh, yeah, they just asked, do you want to translate this women's shoes website? And <laughs> to be honest, I didn't exactly know what I should do, if I should say yes or no. But then I just said to myself, this is this might be one of these moments where you just have to say yes and just jump into cold water and try to survive. Do as much research as you can, probably make a loss on it. I, do I remember what I charged? I think it was eight cents a word or something. I think I had no idea about word rates, right? I was Googling everything at the, at the time that I was going. And of course, in my, in my um, profiles, in my LinkedIn and in my pros, I over-exaggerated a bit because I had literally zero experience, but still I had two years of experience within the language industry. So of course I like, you know, flourished this out and made it as nice as possible. Um, so to make it look that I have two years experience in the translation field, and this helped a lot, of course. This, this probably convinced them also to go with me next to me being from the same city. Anyways, this job went well, uh, they were happy with me and I continued to work with them for probably around a year, a bit over a year. Now I don't work with them anymore. Same with the diving company, I worked with them half a year or a bit more, maybe a year. Um, but then it just faded out and that's also, you know, something you should keep in mind. Don't have the expectation that your first jobs will stay with you for very long, right? It's just, it fluctuates so often in this industry because, you know, you may, maybe you are the first choice within an agency of one person and if this person leaves the company, maybe no one remembers you and you won't get any jobs from them, right? That's exactly what happened with this diving company. Suddenly I didn't get anything for two, three weeks. 
I contacted this woman that I had contact with, right? And the email came back immediately, like his email can't be delivered to this um, recipient. So they, they probably left the company or the company went bankrupt, which to be honest is also possible because it was a bit strange. But anyways, for a first job, it was perfect for me. And of course, this then led to the fact that I went into the sports uh, area as a specialization, which today is my one of my two main specializations. I know that a lot of you are kind of worried to do these first jobs because you don't know about the requirements that uh, agencies have. And just to give you a quick overview for the for the shoe company, for the Dutch agency I worked with uh, with MemoQ, they wanted me to work with SDL. I said, I have MemoQ, it's SDL uh, compatible. Can I work with that? They said, sure, fine. If it's, if it, you know, if we don't see a difference, go for it. I took the trial version of, of MemoQ because I didn't have it yet back then and I worked with that. So it was really the very humble beginnings. I just took, worked with the trial version. Uh, for the diving company, I didn't use any cut tool. They had Excel sheet, well, Google sheet sheets to, to work in. So I just translated in there and then it went to the, re the reviewer came in the same sheet. And uh, so there I didn't use any cut tool. So at the beginning, you really don't need one yet. So until you have some kind of stable clients, you don't need to invest in a cut tool. What I noticed, both of these clients uh, for me came around Christmas time, which is, I've noticed and also over the years that it's quite important when you start or quite important. You can, you can maybe time your entry into the market to a specific date or specific period. My advice would be in the summer break, uh, in the Christmas break, very important then, because when do agencies actually need new translators, right? They need it either if they have a new project with a lot of more volume coming in. You can't know that as a freelancer. You can't know when a company requires more people unless they put it out there on LinkedIn, etc. Or they need someone new if their established ones don't have time, are on holiday, are busy, you know. And that's exactly in these in these crucial times like Christmas break, New Year's break, summer holiday. This is when a lot of new agencies ask new freelancers to collaborate with them. Still now this happens all the time. I don't work anymore in this period from New Year's uh, Christmas to New Year's, but I used to in my first two years. And I can guarantee you there was always uh, two to three companies like asking me, hey, do you have time to do this express job? And we need it tomorrow. We can pay you an express fee just this one time, etc. And this is exactly where you need to be, where you need to say yes, right? This is your chance because once you're in the system, you know, when so if someone is in the system, they will probably get back to you again. This happens to me so many times that just now a new client that I acquired last year also happened very similarly. They just suddenly said, hey, we only have one Swiss German reviewer. Can you please review this for us? Uh, the other one is, is on holiday or something. And uh, since then, I'm in, I'm in the system and I get jobs every week from them. So when this opportunity arises, you have to be there and you can time these opportunities quite easily by focusing on specific time periods in the year. There you go. This is the story of my first job or first jobs. I can honestly not tell which one was earlier. Of course, my story is, is uh, individual. Everyone's story is individual. I had a major benefit by having a translations degree and by having friends who went on to work in agencies that could kind of uh, guide me in and give me work, right? But there is a way for everyone. You just need to be creative, right? And your story is individual. You can't read, you can read, you can watch my videos, you can watch other people's videos, read a lot of blogs entries they will give you advice they will give you motivation creativity even 
But in the end, you have to put in the work. You have to find the angle that's different from someone else so that you can stand out. You know, last week's video was about standing out, if you've seen it. Um, that's exactly what you need to do. In the beginning, you need to do something a bit different. You need to be there at the right time. You need to have something in your profile that other people don't. Or you just need to be relentless and apply to every single opportunity that you see. Um, it can be tedious. It can be heartbreaking sometimes because you will either get no response, which is even worse actually, or you will get rejected. 95% um, of the time, it's just how it goes. The beginning is so much harder, but I can tell you it gets so much easier. Like at, at a certain point, you don't even have to look for clients anymore because everything works through recommendations, through people contacting you once you're going up the, <clears throat> the search engines, right? So just know that it's a very steep learning curve. In the beginning, it's very hard, it's very hard. And once you get going, once the ball keeps rolling, it will become much easier. So don't give up. Good luck and uh, see you next Monday with another video. Bye-bye.